If you have your Bibles, I want to pick up where we left off on Sunday in Mark chapter 2. And I want to look at the next section after he healed the paralyzed man, verses 13 through 17. And I have zero slides today. I want to go old school, which means you, you, you really got to do your legwork here of opening your Bible and actually following in your Bibles. And can I encourage you uh, to take notes? We gave you that booklet, and we gave you plenty of space for note-taking. Or you can do it on your app. My favorite thing about my iPhone is my notes. I got a ton of notes. Because sometimes I got I to gotta sit with things, you know? I got to wrestle with things. Because um, sometimes you hear something in church and you're like, man, that was really, spoke to me. And you go home, you're like, what was that thing? Like, I, I know something spoke to me. Just don't remember what that was. I just turned 43, so I need, I need to take extra notes because I need the Holy Spirit to help me remember. You know, I'm starting to like be mid-sensing and going, wait, what, what was I? What was I? What you know, you hear, I used to hear people say that stuff. Now I'm like, it's real. Like, like I woke up, I got up, I was like, I was going to go do something. I, I swear, I like, I swear I came to this room for something. And then I get out of the room, I come back again. I'm like, oh, this is what I came for. Welcome to your AARP meeting. If I was to title this uh, Bible study, I would title it, Jesus Loves to Eat. And some of y'all, you should be glad. It's the closest thing you have to Jesus. It's like, that should be a spiritual discipline. Some of y'all, that, that's your spiritual gift. Love to eat. Jesus loves to eat. That's the title of this Bible study. Verse 13. Then Jesus went out to the lake shore again, and you can bring me down a little bit, and taught the crowds that they were coming, they were coming to him. As he walked along, he saw Levi, son of Alphaeus, which Levi is another word for Matthew, which we talked about a few weeks ago, sitting at his tax collector's booth. Follow me and be my disciple, Jesus said to him. So Levi got up. And followed him. Later, Levi invited Jesus and his disciples to his home as dinner guests, along with many tax collectors and other disreputable sinners. That word disreputable is like another word for shady characters. And I love that Mark puts an extra emphasis. Mark says there were many people of this kind among Jesus' followers. That's good news. But when the teachers of the religious law who were Pharisees saw him eating with tax collectors and other sinners, they asked Jesus, they, sorry, they asked his disciples, why does he eat with such scum? Verse 17, when Jesus heard this, he told them, healthy people don't need a doctor, sick people do. I have come not to call those who think they are righteous, but those who know they are 
sinners. Can you say amen? Now, because we have covered so much of Jesus calling Matthew when we talked about call to Jesus, what, I, what I'm interested on tonight, since it's a Bible study, what I'm interested on is, is how to reach people like Jesus. Last Wednesday, we talked about how to pray like Jesus. I want to talk about how to reach people like Jesus. Right? Because Jesus has a method of reaching people. Jesus has a way of reaching people. And if we're going to be Jesus' followers, I hope that we want to mimic Jesus. We want to emulate Jesus. We want to not just pray to Jesus, worship Jesus, but we want to act like Jesus. Right? The whole purpose is to be like him. Christ-like. Right? Mini Christs. Mini me. Mini Jesus. So tonight, that's what I'm interested in. I'm interested in talking about how can we reach people the way Jesus reached people. Right? And I want to give you the points so that because we're taking notes, we don't have um, slides today. I want to give you three key things that I see Jesus doing here that we all should be doing. Three key things right, that we see Jesus doing here that if you're serious about following Jesus, then you should want to do these three, th- three key things. You ready? There, those three things are, one, value. Two, invite. Three, eat. Value, invite, eat. Can you say those with me? Value, invite, eat. And the eat part, you should, re- you should remember that like, automatically all right, if, you, if you love to eat. Value, invite, and eat. So let's get right into it, okay? It's Wednesday night. Let's get right into it. No funny stories, no funny business. Let's just get right into it. Value, right? To be like Jesus is to value people. Like we see here and we see throughout the gospel that Jesus values people more than he values religion. Jesus values people more than he values religion. Jesus sees people. He doesn't see a caricature of people. This is important because religion sees you through the lenses of religion. Jesus sees you through the lenses of humanity. Remember, he calls himself son of man, son of humanity. He's for humanity, right? He's way more for humanity than religion is, right? And one of the struggles that we have, if you start to get religious and you start to come to church and you start to read your Bible, you start to pray, you start to worship, after a while, we run the risk of seeing people through religious eyes, not through humanity eyes. That's a danger I see in church. I was, I was thinking about this today. I'm like, man, I want to, let me think about my church experiences over the years. And I could, I could point many, 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 many times that I have made that mistake of seeing people through the lens of religion, not through the lens of humanity. And I, and I think if we're going to be like Christ, we need to pray for him to anoint our eyes to see the way he sees to anoint our hearts to feel the way he feels, right? It's impossible to read the gospel without Jesus telling you that he has compassion for people, right? A lot of times, unfortunately, we become almost rigid towards people, right? And 
let me give you an insight into humanity here. A lot of times, the struggle that we have, the way we see people, is actually the way you see yourself. Like a lot of times, people are so hard on others because they're, they, they, they don't love themselves first. It's really hard to love other people when you're not in love with yourself. Now that will preach. It's so easy to be critical of people where you are so critical inwardly. It's so easy to look at everybody's faults where all you see is faults. Right? Because hurt people will always hurt people. Right? And why do we say this? Because we see the contrast here between Jesus and the religious. Jesus is like, man, come follow me. The religious are like, why would he, why would he even mingle with these people? Right? That's the danger of religion. We can, we can start to put people in categories that God never intended for them to be in. Right? And so I can only imagine, I, I, sometimes when you read the Bible, you've got to use your imagination. I can only imagine what, what Levi, Matthew, was going through when Jesus invited him to follow him. Because we already talked about the background of a text collector was someone despised, hated by his own people. So I can't imagine his psyche. Imagine going to a job. Like some, of you guys, some of you guys can, can identify with this. You might have one of those jobs where people are really hard on you. Right? I was thinking about this like, um, I parked downtown today. And I was a little late. I'm like, man, I hope I don't have a parking ticket. And those guys, we hate those guys. <laughs> like, you know those guys are like, you're like, you're off by five minutes and they give you a ticket? And you're like, come on, man, you're having a bad day? Now, imagine how many times they hear that stuff throughout the day. Imagine having a job where people are always harassing you for doing your job. Right? But worse is the fact that Matthew, the tax collectors, their, their reputation was earned. Like, they worked for the enemy, and they would overtax people to make money. So, of course people hated him. It's like, well, you're working for the enemy, and you're overtaxing us to make money. Of course you're shady. Right? But can you imagine every day hearing how shady you are, how messed up you are, how wrong you are? Like, I don't care who you are, man. That, that's going to mess with you. Right? And all of a sudden, you hear about this rabbi that's going around telling people about the kingdom of God, and he, and he looks at you and says, yeah, you, come follow me, you shady one. Like, sometimes I think we need to stop and consider these things because we've, we, we know the gospel. The problem is we need to rediscover the heart of Jesus through the gospel, right? Because how many people don't feel good about themselves that we see every single day? But how many of us are just adding to what they already feel as opposed to adding something different? to them. Like, how many of us are just telling people what they already know? That's my struggle with religion. A lot of times I hear messages, I'm like, you're just telling me what I already know. Like, I'm a sinner, I messed up. Like, I, I live with myself. Why are you telling me something that I already know? Tell me something I don't know. That might appeal to my heart, might appeal to my spirit, might appeal to my soul. Right? Because Jesus sees him as a human being, not as a text collector, right? Jesus, what, what, what fascinates me about Jesus, Jesus seems to never be repulsed by another human being, no matter who they are. 
It could be a tax collector one moment. It could be a prostitute the next moment. It could be a governor the next moment. It could be a slave. Like Jesus seems to never be repulsed by people. And if, and if he's the son of God and he has that heart for people, I think, I think that if we're going to walk with him, I hope that gets on us. Right? That, that we also have that same heart for people. Because let's be honest, it's not really easy to love people who don't seem to deserve love. That's why it's, I think it's easy for us to automatically go to people that we can identify with. Like, it's one of the struggles of churches, right? Church is over, what do we do? We automatically go into our little cliques. We don't do it on purpose. It's just that we just, it's, it's human nature. You know, you go where you feel comfortable. Right? And Jesus makes us feel extremely uncomfortable because he says, I want you to not do that. I want you to do something extremely uncomfortable and go where you normally wouldn't go and hang with who you normally wouldn't hang. I was thinking about this. When was the last time you were accused of hanging with some shady people? We run from that stuff, right? And we have Bible reasons to, to run from those stuff, right? We can use our Bible verses all day long about, like, why we shouldn't hang with certain people. And Jesus comes alongside and is like, I do. <laughs> you know? And that's the danger of religion. We can really create these categories. We can create these things that Jesus is like, I don't do that, though. Right? And, of course, when I say that, we have to remember Jesus didn't do what the shady people did. Right? Because we can also use that as an excuse. <laughs> you know, you're over here hanging out with your boys. Now you're hammered because they're hammered. What would Jesus do? I'm hanging out with them. Yeah, but was he, was he hammered with them? <laughs> you know, there's always extremes with us. You know, there's never like the right strike of balance with us. It's just like either I'm here or I'm here. Whether I, don't, I completely don't hang out with anyone in Shady or if I'm going to hang out, I'm going all in. <laughs> You know, and, and, and that's the struggle, isn't it? Right? And so I pray that, that Jesus' heart is getting on us to value people, to see people, because Jesus sees people. He doesn't see categories of people. Right? Unfortunately, we live in a society where everybody needs categories nowadays. And people will look at you funny when you don't have categories. Because they're like, what do you mean you don't have categories? You've you got to have one. You're either Democrat or Republican. Right? Like, you're either black or you're white. Like, this has to be a category to, to, to this whole thing. Like, even in church, like, what kind of Christian are you? You ever people here say that to you? What kind of Christian are you? Charismatic, born again, you know, this. And then it's like, man, we got to have categories for everything. If not, we're not, we're not okay. Like, you got to tell me. You got to tell me, you know. Sometimes I preach messages, and some things I leave it, I leave it in the air on purpose. And I can see people... Losing their minds. <laughs> so what, what are you, so are you for, are you not, like, during the election? It was hilarious. <laughs> I heard people say, he's definitely for Biden. And I heard people say, he's definitely for Trump. Some people left the church because they said, I'm voting for Trump. Some people left the church because they said, I'm voting for Biden. In the meantime, I'm going. Because you, people like get tense, like you have to pick a side. You got to pick a side if you don't pick a side, you know. And then Jesus comes alongside, he's like, I don't, I'm on the side of humanity. Son of man. Right. right? So I pray that our hearts can value what Jesus values. So 
which leads to invite. Jesus invites Levi to follow him. It's one thing to be like, ah, I see you, right? But it's another thing to be like, yo, come follow me. Right? Because some of us, we do this really well. We can love some people from a distance. But it's another level altogether to be like, no, come closer. Like, come follow me. Right? We all know the power of an invitation. I was thinking about when was the last time an invitation really like resonated with me. I was a kid. I was in Cape Verde. I used to uh, spend a lot of time with my grandmother growing up. But my grandmother lived in a different village than my parents did. So I didn't know anybody in that neighborhood. I was maybe 10, 11, or 12. I don't know. I'm 43. I don't know. It's somewhere. But I used to go to my grandmother, and I loved going to my grandmother, but I had no friends. So a lot of times, there's only so much you can do with your grandmother. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> your mother's, grandmother's cool, but it's like, come, I'm 11, Grandma. I need friends. <laughs> so I would go outside, honestly, play by myself, just sit there, play by myself. And I was telling my kids the other day, listen, I, I, we had no TV, no video games. Okay? We had TV from 7 p.m. to midnight. And cartoons was literally 7 to 7.30. The rest of it was all boring. News, soap opera. Cape Verdeans love soap opera. I hated it. Cape Verdeans, my parents still love soap opera in America. Anyway, that's a story for another time. But I'll never forget that there was this kid that used to walk by all the time. He used to walk by, and I used to see him go to this house and... And as a kid, you, I imagine, like, what happens in that house? Like, he always goes to this house, but we never talk. Until one day, he stopped and invited me to come along with him. And that changed my life. Like, those kids became my best friends. Because in that house, it was a lot of fun. It's like, oh, the kid's there, you know? And so that became my hangout every single day until I moved here. The power of an invitation can change someone's life, right? The power of an invitation. Some of you are here today because someone took a chance and said, come with me. Come check out my church, right? And that changes everything. And sometimes it's deeper than that. You're in church, but someone says, come to my house. Or come to my crew. Or join our team, right? There's, there's so much power of invitation. I don't care how old you are. There's value when someone says, I see you, and I'm inviting you closer, right? Jesus knows the power of an invitation. So never, please, never underestimate the power of an invitation. One invitation can change someone's life. Just one invitation can go a long, long way. You know, I don't know, I'm not big on statistics, because sometimes they're not the most accurate thing, but it's, they say that, that 82% of people say that they would go to church if someone invited them. So it could be that this week you can have the power of just inviting one person to come encounter this Jesus that we love so much. The problem is, I think a lot of times we know that, but the execution fails. Isn't it true? Here's why. Because most of the conversations we have with people never happened. We had them in our heads. We already decided how they're going to respond for them. But we never actually gave them a chance to respond. 
Right? Isn't it true? Like, how many times have you rehearsed something in your mind and you, like, talked yourself out of it? Because your mind said, no, I know this is how it's going to go. But you never actually gave a chance for someone to respond. And sometimes we fumble it through real quick to try to get away. And people are like, tell me more. And then you're like, oh, wait, it didn't go the way I thought it was going to go. Right? But Jesus gives people a chance. Here's the thing about following Jesus. He gives you a chance to say yes or no. Matter of fact, more people said no than yes. But still the invitation is there. Right? That's the truth about following Jesus. More people will say no, but there's an open invitation. And here's the thing with human, right? Here's the thing. I think we live long enough to know this. We don't know when that no turns into a yes, though. Because life happens, and God is pursuing people way more than we are. And all of a sudden, that, that 13th time that you invited was the time that they really needed to hear that invitation. And it changes everything. So never underestimate the power of an invitation. Can you say amen? amen? And he invites him, and they do what Jesus loves to do. They eat. There's a Matthew's version of this. I love. I want to read this to you. It's in Matthew 11, if you're taking notes. Matthew 11. Uh, this is Levi, by the way. This, this guy, they just got invited. Here's how he puts it in his gospel about Jesus in eating. Matthew 11, look at verse 18 and 19. I love this. Uh, Jesus fascinates me. He said, Jesus was contrasting himself with John the Baptist, right? He said, look, for John didn't spend his time eating and drinking. John was like, I got no time for you to be eating and drinking. You need to repent. That was John's message. John the Baptist was like straight to the point, like, repent. I only eat locusts and honey, so I have no time to be eating with you guys. All right, that's what John, I love that Jesus was like, that's, that's John's, that's, that's his thing, right? And he said, he said, you guys thought he was, he was possessed by a demon, which I want to get into on Sunday, because they, they said Jesus was possessed by a demon. It's going to get really saucy on Sunday. Look, verse 19, here's that title he gives himself again. The Son of Man, on the other hand, feasts and drinks, and you say, He's a glutton and a drunkard and a friend of tax collectors and other sinners. But wisdom is shown to be right by his results. Of course, there's, I hope you understand, there's a little bit of exaggeration here. He's, he's doing it on purpose. He's saying, look, because I like to hang out and eat, which you said, oh, man, he goes, all, he's a glutton, he's a drunkard, he hangs out with all of these shady characters, because gossip loves to exaggerate. That's another word right there, hello. <laughs> gossip, gossip loves to exaggerate, right? Gossip goes from, you know, he was over there to, no, he was just over there, he was like doing stuff. <laughs> he was doing all kinds of stuff. You know, be careful with people who like to overextend, you know. And can I say this about gossip? Gossip to me is the lowest form of communication. Like, to me, it's like gossip is like, man, you can't get any lower than gossip, right? And some people, unfortunately, you have certain opinions of other people because someone gossiped to you about that person, but you never heard anything about that person itself. 
I've heard people tell me about what people have told them about our church, but they've never been here because of gossip, right? So Jesus is like, listen, I love to hang out with people. I love to eat. I love to connect. Why? Well, because let's say some obvious things about eating and hanging out with people. Well, food breaks down barriers. There's nothing like a good meal in a conversation, right? It breaks down so many barriers. If you ever want to have a tough conversation with someone, invite them to eat. Because it's really hard to have tough conversations when there's nothing in between to kind of like break the ice. Right? Jesus, here's what you have to understand though about the Jewish tradition. Jewish people, an invitation to eat, it's an invitation to a friendship. Okay? This was not like us today were just like, whatever. For them, it's like, no, that's a serious extension of friendship. Right? If you work with a Jewish person and they never invited you to eat, they don't like you. <laughs> it's as simple as that. Okay? Just note for yourself. <laughs> like, man, he's invited everybody to eat, never invited me. Like, he don't like you. Jesus invites people to eat because he wants to have a friendship with them. Right? When you, when you invite someone to eat, you're breaking bread with them. And that's sacred. You know? The struggle nowadays is, can we be honest? We don't, we don't invite anymore. We barely invite. We're so isolated. You know? We're so into our own thing that it's, we barely invite anyone to eat anything. Right? Because it, we're too busy. We got too much going on, and we, don't, we already assume that people will not even accept an invitation to a meal. It's unfortunate, but that's the reality we, that we are facing. And I'm praying that we are rediscovering the heart of Jesus to slow down and actually have meaningful conversations with people. Because the other thing is, let's be honest, we don't talk anymore. We barely talk, we argue, we don't talk. Because here's what I'm finding. When I actually sit down with someone, doesn't matter if we have different opinions, man, we can talk. But nowadays we don't talk, we argue. Right? We stiff arm people with our posts. But we never had an actual conversation. I think a lot of the stuff that we're struggling with in our nation right now, if we can just have a conversation... Like this, here we are again, another racial tension. But what do we do? We throw statistics. And we say, all lives matter, this matter. It's like, but did you talk, though, to someone of an, another race, of another neighborhood? Right? Because that family doesn't want to hear all lives matter right now. They want to hear, I'm sorry for your loss. You just lost a son. You know, but again, because we don't, we don't, it's like compassion has gone out the window. Right? Being right has become the word of the day. Like, I need to be right. And because social media has really jacked us up because we think, I have to post something. I just have to. And then we have, this is a, no, a whole nother message in itself, but I think it's jacked us up to the thing, to to the point that we think because we posted, we made a difference. 
Like, we really believe it. People really believe they're making a difference because they posted a hashtag. Like, we're not making any difference. We're just making noise. You know? Like, this just happened again. And instead of stopping and mourning for our nation, we want to post something so we can show which side of this fence we're on. I don't think Jesus would be posting anything right now. If anything, Jesus would probably be in that neighborhood ministering to people, you know, helping people as they grieve, as they mourn, right? But here we are. We love divides. Tell me, what side are you on? 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 Are you on my side? If you're not on my side, you're against me. That's how we live, right? You don't believe me? Go on YouTube and just look up theological debates. You would think, man, did Jesus die for all of us or he just died for your camp? Because we all have our little camps now. Even the church now, we want to pick and choose. Are you on my side? Are you on my side? Are you with me? Are you with me on this? And we're missing the point. Being right was never the point. Righteousness is the point. Righteousness is not being right. Arguing is not talking. When was the last time you, you sat and said to someone, tell me your story? I want to hear your story. I want to hear your heart. I want to hear your version. Like, actually, tell me. And when was the last time we let someone talk until they were done talking? Oh, that's so good. <laughs> and not interrupt them. Because, no, I got to say my thing. Right? And then we walk around like we think, like, I, I told them. Yeah, you told them on your way to a heart attack. Because you told them. I think if anything, we may not be able to win everybody for Jesus. That's obvious. But I think we can build bridges with people, though. I think that's the least we can do. I find that most people, here's my experience. Most people want to talk about spiritual things. They just don't want to argue. Sometimes the most argument to the people, you get them one-on-one, -on -one, they're different people. <laughs> I don't know if you've had those experiences. Yeah. Yeah. Right? But if everything you post, you have to comment, then guess what? You just keep stiff-arming people, stiff-arming people, stiff-arming people. And I realize that I'm never going to be able to have a bridge with this person because I've already... Can I encourage us? Less posts, more conversations. Because here's the reality is, a lot of times we're posting, but we have someone in mind. <laughs> so why not talk to that person? <laughs> Can we be honest? Hey, you posted that, like, but you know who you were posting that for. Yep, yep, yep. Ah, ah, ah. <laughs> it's like, it'll be, it'll be nice to DM a person and say, Can we have a conversation? Which, by the way, that's another thing. If you really want to talk to someone, you DM them privately. You don't post for everybody to see. It's the, the day and age we live in now, we got to, like, break down social media ethics. Listen, please write this down. Be a witness, not the Holy Spirit. 
He says, I called you to be my witnesses, not the Holy Spirit. The struggle that I see is we want to be in charge of changing people. That's why I think we don't engage in more invitations because we know that there's a risk involved that they're not going to receive it the way I want them to receive. So we say, what's the point? Well, you were never called to be the Holy Spirit. You were called to be a witness. What does a witness do? A witness only says what they know and heard or experienced. That's our job. Imagine if we just did that and walked away. You know what I'm saying? And just let them sit with it and let the Holy Spirit decide. That's how I feel my job is. I'll preach the gospel, and then it's like, yo, that's on you now. That's on you. I'm not going to sit here and do the, you know, let's run that again until you come to the altar. Let's run that again. You know, you ever been to those church services? Let's run that again. You're still there. Let's run it again. It's like, no, I'm not going to be the Holy Spirit. Some of y'all don't know what I'm talking about. You ever been to those church services? Run it again. (laughs) I've been to church long enough. Listen, please share your story and how Jesus has impacted you. What, What difference does Jesus make in your life? Share the good news, not religion. I find, it, here's, here's, I find this interesting. Most religious people don't even know how to share the good news because they'll share religion. And you're like, what's the difference? The difference is when you're talking to people about spiritual things, are you talking about the do's and don'ts or are you talking about the good news? If you start with my church, my theology, my doctrine, that's religion. It's Jesus is the point and what he's done in my life and what he wants to do in your life. That's the good news. It's not, you know, we do this and you don't do that. Oh, you do this, you don't do that. It's like, that's just moralism. You know, who's more moral? Who's more right? No one wins. Don't argue. Talk. Here's another tip. If you really care about people and talking to them about Jesus, only go as far as they're open to it. That's my gauge when I'm talking to people. When I start to see, like, there's no interest there, and you start to, like, back down, it's like, all right, cool. How's the Red Sox? How are the Patriots? Because I can see this is not the time to keep trying to push it. Right? Only go as far as someone wants you to go. Because this is an open invitation. It's not forced. Right? Here's the thing. Let me say this because I know we struggle with this. You can have strong convictions without being a jerk. It's possible. It's possible. I had a conversation yesterday with someone. We have completely different views on something serious. But I share my opinion, and the person shared their opinion, and we agreed to disagree. Right? I don't have to be like, yeah, but I'm right, and you're wrong. It's like, no, this is, this is what I believe. It's what the Bible says. You're going to have to wrestle with that. Right? Because here's the thing. It doesn't matter how much you scream at me. That doesn't change the truth. If it's true, truth doesn't expire. Truth will never expire. It doesn't have an expiration date on it. It's not a can. 
<laughs> you know what I mean? As much as we want to be, we want the truth to be relative, but truth won't change. Right? You either conform to the truth or deny the truth. Right? But notice, let me end with Jesus' words. He said, this is so in, in, important when you understand in the gospel. He said, I came for the sick. Right? He said, I came for the sick. Why is that important? Because you have to be in tune with what Jesus is doing in a person's life. If that person can recognize that they're sick, Jesus is at work in their lives. If a person cannot recognize that they're sick, it's time to move on. Because only sick people go to the doctor. I'm K. Verde, man. When K. Verde, we don't go to the hospital unless you're dying. Like, you got to show, like, okay, you're bleeding, you got something broken, and it's obvious. Other than that, they're like, no, you're good, you're fine. <laughs> like, in Cape Verde, you can't get away with, uh, Mom, I can't go to school today. You can't go to school today? Are you dying? <laughs> Where's the blood? Where's, where, you know, they're like, you're going to school. Like, that's a whole other culture, forget it, I'm not. <laughs> Listen, only those who think they can heal themselves will reject the gospel. The gospel offends, listen, here's the reality. Gospel offends religious people and irreligious people. Why do you think the Pharisees were so offended by Jesus? They were religious. It offended them because Jesus didn't have their standard of what righteousness looked like or what morality looks like. Any religious people get offended because they want truth to be relative to them. So you could be religious and be offended by the gospel. You could be irreligious and be offended by the gospel. Until you get to the place you realize, I'm sick, I need a doctor, then the gospel won't make sense to you. And you could be religious and irreligious. People miss 50% of the prodigal son's story was not about the young son, it's about the older son. When Jesus saw that story, go look it up again. Go to Luke 15, but start with verse 1. It tells you that Pharisees were angry that Jesus was hanging out again with these shady characters. He's like, let me tell you a story. He was trying to bring the two together, the religious and the irreligious. The religious represent the older brother who was home, but hated the fact that the father welcomed the younger brother home with no consequences. The irreligious was the younger brother who squandered everything and came back home. See, that's why Jesus doesn't take a side. He takes humanity's side. He's like, I'm trying to bring the religious in and the irreligious in, into my kingdom, into my purpose. As long as we're bent on taking sides, we're missing Jesus. That's the struggle. Right? Go reread that story, you'll see. It was more about the, the young, older brother than it was about the younger brother. You know why we like the younger brother's story better? Because it's more obvious. It's more obvious to see someone on, out doing drugs and drinking and wasting their lives away. It's not obvious when someone is sitting in church, but they don't have grace. Because they can hide behind moralism and how right they are and how good they are. In the meantime, they don't have God, but they have religion. Oh, that's, that's a word. The gospel offends the religious and the irreligious. See, religion believes that you can save yourself through your good deeds and self-righteousness. Irreligious believes that you can save yourself through your good deeds and self-righteousness. 
Think about it. What do people always say to you? I'm a good person. So they're both wrong. Right? Here's the thing about us, right? We can all be wrong, but we can't all be right. So both of us, or whatever category you find ourselves in, we both need the gospel. Only those who think they can save themselves, will, only those who, who don't think they can save themselves will find Jesus because Jesus is the, he's the soul doctor, basically. That's what he labels himself as. I came for those who know that they're sick. So if you know the good news, then value people. Invite people. Eat with people. And just witness. Don't try to save them. Let the Holy Spirit do that. Let the Holy Spirit work and minister. Because sometimes, I really believe this, this is, a, this is a tough one to swallow, but I think sometimes we can get in the way of what God's doing in someone's life. Because we did too much. Our job is to just do our job and trust the Holy Spirit to do what only he can do. So funny, I, some, I've heard a few people tell me, you should talk more about hell, you know? And I'm like, so you believe that if I talk more about hell, people will give their lives to the Lord? I believe in hell, but I don't know that it is, that's what leads people to the Lord. Because the Bible says it's his goodness that leads you to repentance. It's his goodness. Remember, you are already in hell without Jesus. He told you, you already stand condemned. So why do I have to remind you that you're already in hell when I can remind you that you are loved and you shouldn't be in hell, you should be in heaven? You know, that's the gospel. The gospel is, man, you're already stand condemned, but Jesus says, no, I love you too much. I love you too much to leave you there. Amen? I hope this is helpful tonight. Let's pray. Jesus, I pray, God, give us your heart. Give us your heart. Give us your heart. God, give us your heart to value people, to invite, to eat, to take chances, to witness about your goodness. God, help us to truly experience your goodness so that that comes out of us God, I pray that our eyes have been impacted by your gospel. They were to see people like you do. Our ears to hear them like you do. Our heart to beat for them like you do. And we trust that your Holy Spirit is leading us to have divine appointments with people this week. Because your goodness will lead people to repentance. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you, Jesus, for loving us for loving our friends who are away from you. God, we lift up all our friends who don't know you, family members, co-workers, neighbors. God, I pray that they would know you, and I pray that you would use us to point them to you. God, I pray that when they see us, they get a glimpse of you. They get a glimpse of your goodness and your grace and your love. Because your goodness is so good that we want to repent and we want to live with you. God gave us this week divine appointments to point people to who you are. We pray in your name, Jesus. Amen.
Amen. God bless. Have a good night. We hope this talk has encouraged and challenged you. If it was helpful, share with a friend. For more info, visit newlifesouthcoast.com. Until next time, have a blessed week.